In remote forests in Madagascar, there is an orchid that is somewhat star-shaped, a delicate branching of white petals called the star of the forest. They may look delicate, and one may think its name comes from its shape, but it is also the star of the forest because it grows in complete darkness. This isn't just a survival technique for this orchid. This orchid thrives in darkness. The orchid gets nutrients from underground fungus, does not have chlorophyll for photosynthesis, but cuts through the forest dirt every so often to attract pollinators such as ants. I loved reading about this orchid. I love knowing that there is thriving in darkness. This orchid for me is a reminder about the ability for life to survive and thrive in unexpected and possibly difficult places. Beautiful, delicate, thriving orchids that live happily and healthily in the complete dark. I have been in need of this possibility that exists within thriving orchids. This past November, I have found myself as a leader of an incredible organization, UU Mass Action, working alongside organizers on legislation, advocacy, and change in the areas of climate and environmental justice, indigenous justice, decarceration, immigrant, and economic justice. In these movement spaces doing this work, I find myself standing in that awkward space of not being very hopeful, but having hope for the possibility of hope. I know that people have the capacity to do better even when they don't always act on it. When thinking about what blocks my ability to move from hopelessness to hope, I think about grief. I feel these days so many of us are waiting in grief, thick seas of grief that sometimes feels unending. I at first feel overwhelmed, but then remember that spaces grief carves and our ability as humans to grieve and how important that is. I believe as many do that if we take time and space to grieve, it makes space for greater joy, having a greater capacity for delight. And we need this joy, we need this delight to continue in these movement spaces, to continue to remember why it is we fight. A while back, I was watching Queer Eye, the popular makeover show on Netflix that includes four men and a non-binary person who go around redesigning homes and wardrobes and routines. The first episode of the newest season is interrupted by COVID, filmed partly pre-pandemic, and then the audience is alerted that the show has shut down. We are then alerted that Queer Eye checks in on the family a year later and films the rest of the episode after the family has gone through the height of the pandemic. When we meet back up with the crew from Queer Eye, a group referred to as the Fab Five, the audience is informed the Broken Spoke family has had a difficult year. There is nothing particularly surprising about this statement. In fact, it is rare to find someone who has not had a difficult year, a difficult set of years. For whatever reason, reading this at that moment made me burst into tears. I then proceeded to cry on and off for the next three episodes, 
of a reality TV show that, though it's very touching, is not particularly devastating or tear-jerking. I just needed to cry. I was reminded of the Adrian Marie Brown quote, Remember, you are water. Of course you leave salt trails. Of course you are crying. I have a friend who also watched the same episodes, sending me two texts, the first saying, I too cried during that episode, and the second saying, well, actually, I too cried during them all. Again, I don't think this phenomenon has much to do with the reality makeover show that I do, of course, love. I think these tears are speaking to living in a time, in a world that often doesn't honor or have space for grieving. And we have lost spaces to grieve. Many of us see our coworkers still on screens. So much of our general space has become virtual, less of catching someone crying in the bathroom and more faces going in and out of screens. There are less opportunities for people to just be present, to be present to one another's grief. As a leader of UUMass Action, as an organizer, part of accepting grief, of wading into it, is necessary to staying in the work to staying connected to the world. Not only do we need to grieve, we are grieving in the midst of so many losses and circumstances that persist, that continue. We are tired of making so many decisions that are not flippant decisions, but that relate to our survival. We are tired of making decisions about if we are able to travel safely to see loved ones. We are tired of continuing war and of new war. We are tired of living through uprisings and seeing racism viciously persist. We are tired of deportations continuing and immigration detentions filling up when we are told by our leader, by our president, that this would stop. We are tired of fighting for an earth that some seem to care about and others don't. We are tired. Of course we are crying. I cry all the time. I cry when I'm in meetings for ending solitary confinement, listening to the stories of survivors. I then cry at poems. I cry when I hear fellow ministers who are so anxious about our climate, our earth, and also hopeful. I cry at songs. I cry when I talk about the numerous losses that we have all collectively incurred and the ones I have personally felt, the ones that are still to come. I let myself cry and sometimes I feel better or at least more attuned with reality. I feel a release and more ready, more grounded in the world, more ready to wade through grief and to wade with hope. In a recent conversation with an organizer, we talked about the fear we encounter when trying to organize, the fear of everything going up or already being in flames, the fear that it is already too late. We talked about how to move from this fear leaving this place of fear so we can actually move. We talked about what it meant to move from this fear, recognizing that part of this move is seeing the new beginnings, the hope and the possibility that when systems, when what we see as normal changes, when it breaks down, when it ends, there is possibility, hope for new systems, new potential, new hope. Whether or not we're able to build, and a new and better system remains an unknown. But that possibility, 
the possibility that as our world shifts, there could be better systems and better ways of being is something I think needs to be felt more. But first, we have to grieve. We have to grieve and accept our tears, tears that are just a part of us, and not only a part of us, but an expression of our love for life and beauty. In an article about eco-anxiety entitled, How Can I Stay Hopeful as the World Burns? Aisha Mirza interviews Robin Wall Kimmerer, author of the beautiful book, Braiding Sweetgrass, Indigenous Wisdom, Scientific Knowledge, and the Teaching of Plants. Mirza asks Kimmerer how she stays hopeful. She says, the grief is heartbreaking, but what I try to do is to feel that deeply. We can't look away from it because to me, grief is the measure of how much we love this world. Grief can paralyze us, it can bring us to despair and hopelessness, but when we recognize that the pain we are feeling is ecological compassion, it's love, it's love for a world that is strong and fierce and lets us say, not on my watch. Kimmerer goes on to say, I always ask myself and others, what do you love too much to lose? Commit to that and know that it's our responsibility to pick that up and carry it through the narrows of climate change. That's what the world will look like on the other side. It is no joke to feel grief deeply, especially when there's so much to grieve. But I think it helps when we know that in part, to grieve is to love. As Bell Hooks reminds us, to be loving is to be open to grief, to be touched by sorrow, even sorrow that is unending. Even if sorrow is an ending, I think we can take comfort that so is our love. To be touched by sorrow is to know you love, and to love is to grieve. The full quote from Adrian Marie Brown that I quoted earlier goes, remember, you are water. Of course you leave salt trails. Of course you are crying. If there happens to be a multitude of grief upon you, individual and collective, fast or slow, small or large, at equal parts of these considerations. That the broken heart can cover more territory. That perhaps love can only be as large as grief demands. That grief is the growing up of the heart that burst boundaries like an old skin of a finished life. That grief is gratitude. That water seeks scale. That even your tears seek the recognition of community that the heart is a front line and the fight is to feel in a world of distraction, that death might be the only freedom, that your grief is worthwhile of your time, that your body will only feel as much as it is able to, that the ones you grieve may be grieving you, that the sacred comes from the limitations, and that you are excellent at loving. Our broken hearts certainly have a lot of territory to cover, but I have hope and knowledge that all of our frontline hearts can cover it. I think it's going to take work, but not more than we can handle. To want to survive in and of itself is a beautiful thing, and to want to survive in a broken and hurt world is even more beautiful, and perhaps at its core it is hope. I have found spaces to grieve, 
And as the new director of UUMass Action, I continue to grieve and I continue to move, moving from meeting to meeting, legislative action to legislative action, crafting and creating moments of joy and delight where there are none, treasuring them when they just come along. Let us nurture our longing to survive. Let us remember why we fight and let us remember this by creating and finding joy. Let us find and enjoy the orchids that grow in complete darkness. Let us let ourselves cry and grieve, remembering that our pain is love and that we have always had enough of that. Of course you are crying. Of course we are crying. Let us let the tears flow as reminders of how deeply we are in love with this world. Before I end, I invite you now into a space of blessing, a blessing of the hands for you and all of your frontline hearts. I invite you as you're willing and able to hold your hands up in a motion of receiving. Blessings on all of these hands, somewhat apart in physical space, but together in worship, together in spirit. Bless these hands that know grief, that know tears. Bless these hands that feel and track heartbeats. Blessings on these hands that are called to the labors of love, the labors of liberation. Blessings on these hands that know miracles despite it all. Bless these hands that bring comfort, care, and give forth hope that brings us together. Bless the hands that organize, pray, cook, help with programming, the hands that clean, sew, paint. Bless the hands that dance. Bless the hands that together do the work that needs to be done. May these hands receive as well as give. May they continue to unite with other hands. And may we all be held in the blessing that is hands coming together in love, in grief, in gratitude. Amen and blessed be.